0: Ladies and gentlemen, that means you are now listening to the
1: all-new Siamese Herring Experiment, 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 Experiment. 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 Hello, Brian. Uh, Good seeing you again. It's been a long week. Uh, I've been um, doing a a little bit of statesmanship throughout the country. As you know, I'm working for Alba now, Uh, I don't know, on a part-time basis. You've seen me on TV, I know, and you're yeah. telling me all the foibles about uh, how I can clean up my act and become a better citizen. And yeah. old the uh, old anchovy, has been, uh, he's been a great mentor for me the last week, Brian. He's taught me all about how to eat properly uh, with a knife and fork. He's shown me how to lie in bed straight. Nice. I found that very difficult. Uh, and he's taught me how to get up and urinate 14 times during the night properly. Now look, he's a very well-traveled man at that. He's uh, he's got a colostomy bag and he's got um, a bucket beside his bed Um, and he's got a new missus. She's a roustabout on a farm. She uh, likes killing chickens with her bare hands and she's fundamentally a, a woman of the world, as you'd say. Because she's a real woman, Brian. She's not a bloke who became a woman, as in, like, transitioned into a a woman. Goodness. So she's a very rare animal when it comes to being a real woman. Mm. I know we don't see many of them anymore, and she wears lipstick, Brian. Can you believe it or not? She wears lipstick. I thought that was banned years ago, Brian. Well, you know, in this gender-neutral community we live in, uh, lipstick is really just for dogs. Um, you know, a dog that's got lipstick on is always welcome at my house, as you well know. Oh, yes. uh, I'm yes. not talking about his lipstick between his legs. I'm talking about lipstick around his yes. lips.
0: Oh, of course, Brian.
1: Anyway, Brian, what have you been up to in the last week?
0: Well uh I've been up watching the tennis last night it was a great match yeah. between uh, Corrigios and Dolmanick nick nick hardly any fatalities a couple of ball boys uh, lost their head nick was well well, well behaved uh, apart from uh, in the 15th set when he got a little bit testy uh, and ah. he managed to strangle one of the ball boys Mm. Uh, he's a great entertainer yeah. And the blood on the court uh, Was the thing he slipped up on And uh, finally lost the match uh, mm. It's very unfortunate yeah. But uh, that was great to see I've had a, a hip replacement recently mm. That's kept me off the surfboards uh, You know I love my surfing, Brian Yeah, oh, yes, uh, you do But uh, with a wonky hip It's a bit hard to hang 10 So uh, I've just been recovering from that, Brian
1: Oh, that's good Good to hear, Brian I... Uh I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there with uh, Nick Kredgios. uh, He's become the icon of Australia. Uh, We like our winners, but uh, because he lost, he'll be lost uh, forever, I presume, now in the hearts and minds of people. But for a fleeting moment there, I think people just took him into their bosom and said, he's probably one of the best Australians we've ever had since Ash Barty killed a uh, wildebeest with the bare hands. Now, this yes. this is becoming a trend these days, Brian, that people become um, uh, well-known and uh, loved. They've got to uh, kill something in public. Uh, I, I take my hat off to when we used to do that. When we were young, uh, you know, it was a normal thing for us to go out and, you know, not only strangle cats, but uh, just jump onto uh, the back of a goanna and go for a ride around the block. Yes. Uh, now, you know, these sort of things are like, done willy-nilly now, but done, the skill involved to to do what Nick does, which has become an embarrassment uh, to himself and his family and to his country, yes. <clears throat> yes. I think people are enjoying it. I think people yes. love it. I hope he goes on a Bigger and better things and then gets into politics. I'd really do, wrong. That'd be lovely to see. I think there's uh, just too many people uh, in the world these
0: days that are just uh, taking things a bit too seriously. Mm. Uh, Nick's mad. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't take anything seriously at all. No. He's no. got a lovely temperament. Uh, he's vicious and he's violent, but he, he does it in such a jovial manner that it, it, it's hard to uh, get upset. No. And I think that he'll really be a, a great politician, a great statesman down the track.
1: Mm. And I agree. he's a winner in my book. Brian. Oh, he's a winner, right, Brian? I-, I can see that. You know, having chats with Albo over the last week, that um, uh, Albo's on song when it comes to bringing people into uh, the uh, the Labor Party. Labor Party caucus, yeah. uh, and the caucus is uh, all about ex tennis players and. Rugby league players have had their head bashed in a few times. Uh, you need that sort of violence in bloody politics, Brian. You need people to come in there and not just talk about it. They actually do this stuff. Like, you know, when Chopper Reid was head of the uh, New South Wales Labor Party uh, and he used to bring in um, people off the street and say, like, hey, you, you're um, running for the seat of Warringah. And they'd go, what? What's Warringah? There you go. He'd spell it out to them. And he'd spell it with a Z. And anyway, they all got voted in because whatever Chopper Reed said happened. Yes. Uh, I could see Nick just becoming that new hard man of politics, the Paul Keating-style uh, aficionado who'd just wouldn't ruffle feathers. He'd burn them to the ground. He'd say, that's what he does. And I'm sure Nick would make a, a magnificent uh, arsonist.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely correct, Brian. His future in politics is sealed, Brian, absolutely sealed. Yeah, yeah, that's true,
1: Brian. Now, look, Brian, um, uh, we've had a bit of a chat before we uh, started the podcast today, um, and it, it appears from what we've seen there's a lot of people uh, who are, are lovely listeners uh, asking us about the old days again. Uh, they're, they're, yes. they're not sick and tired of talking about the future. Uh, or even the present, but they, they love the old stories from way back when um, you and I were um, basically um, at the forefront of tunnelling, the forefront of racing cars at Bathurst, at the uh, the forefront of robbing banks, and at the forefront of uh, stealing minerals from other countries. Yes. Now, I'm happy to go down that track. I presume you're uh, willing and able because uh, you're a great uh, conversationalist and um, chat show host, and I'm sure you can tell some of the uh, the listeners, but there might be some new ones out there, I believe, who who talk about their old days. And I I think one of the things I I think that uh, some of these people really want to talk about is, is your book writing. You're a prolific book writer. You had, I think you've got, at the moment, 727 books. On the market. Now, um, they're all bestsellers, of course. Um, yep. You donate all the money to charity and to other organisations like the Free Mawson from His Hut charity uh, that I'm um, thankfully the patron of, and I make sure all that money goes to the right place. Yes. Um, thank you for that new house that you built me, Ron. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, what I'd like to ask you on behalf of the listeners is you are got to bring out a new book about uh, being a Sherpa. Yes. Now, most people know what a Sherpa is. Um, most of them are overseas in the Himalayas. That's where they usually start and uh, finish their lives. Yes. Um, but your new, your new book, How to Be a Weekend Sherpa, uh, how's that coming along, Brian? It's come along very well, Brian. I'm glad
0: you asked about that. And, and, and yes, a lot of the listeners have been uh, lamenting Uh, that we don't talk about the old days enough. But the weekend... Sherpa has been uh, something on my mind for a long time. As you say, quite rightly, uh, our sponsorship from Mick O'Reilly's Sand, Cement, Gravel and Climbing down there in Lawton Heights has been uh, a great motivator for me over the years. Uh, Mick's encouraged me to jump off things, uh, to climb things, to fall down things over the years uh, with, with great impact on my life. And so writing this book now, uh, as we speak, it's a good thing that I can write with both hands. Mm. Unfortunately, it's longhand, but I can write two books at the same time. So uh, the one I'm writing with my right hand is uh, The Weekend Sherpa. Now, a lot of people uh, love to climb things now. There's a lot of indoor climbing facilities with lots Mm. of plastic bits and pieces uh, mm-hmm. Around the place, stuck to walls, stuck to ceilings, stuck to the floor, yes. stuck to cars, stuck yes. to small children. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a poor substitute for the great outdoors, Brian. Yes, it poor, is poor, poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember when I was a young kiddie, uh, being thrown out the kitchen window by Mum, and I landed on a uh, a pile of dung. And this is where I started my uh, career. We had lots of horses and uh, donkeys and a number of circus animals in the front yard. And uh, it was always covered in dung. And there was uh, many dung hills to climb, Brian. Yes. I think that's a metaphor for life, actually.
1: It is, Brian. Now,
0: I've bought my brand of climbing around the world. Uh, I don't use rope too much. No, I use twine. Uh, Twine's got a lot more give in it. And uh, it's amazing what you can do if you get the right knot. Mm. You've got to know your knots, Brian. Clover hitch, sheep shanks, monkey shanks, and, uh, well, uh, uh, the hangman's noose can be modified a a number of ways. But uh, you've got to start off just climbing small things. Uh, Don't go uh, straight away to the big stuff. You've got to start off small. And uh, that's what I've always found. Start off small,
1: Mm. and then uh, you can tackle the big stuff later on, Brian. Absolutely right, Brian. And uh, I've watched your career unfold before my very eyes and uh, I'm still in awe uh, or awe of you. Uh, speaking about the dung, I mean, you, you're such an entrepreneur that you brought out a book that was all about dung beetles and what you can do with them. Uh, yes. That became a bestseller. Um, I, I know you turned it into a cookbook. Dung beetle relish was, uh, became yes. a household name throughout the world. Yes. Dung beetle soup with an anchovy excrement um, attachment was uh, fed to Queen Elizabeth uh, on her um, 50th birthday. Um, she has had piles ever since, but she always says, Brian, she always says to me when we talk on the phone or we have a Zoom call or we meet up in church or we meet up behind the sheds, she says, Brian's the best cook I've ever, ever known, and I have still today regret the fact that I haven't had sex with him. And I'm going to her, well, you know what, I've had sex with Brian a few times. And you're missing out, Lizzie. You're missing out big time. And if I was a woman like you, I'd be around his place every second day, getting a feed and having a root. And she she loved it. She loves talking like that, Brian. She's a dirty-minded girl. Uh, great old woman, great geezer. Um, but anyway, I, I, I digress. And now, Brian, we, 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 we've been talking a lot about you know your um, your culinary skills. Um, your adeptness of putting words onto a bit of paper and turning it into a bestseller. Uh, my thoughts are that, you know, you, you, you have to do your life story sooner than later. Uh, and it's got to start off with um, when you were conceived in that Zephyr with uh, your mum and your dad back in the day. Can, can, you, can you tell us about what your memory of that night was?
0: Well, it was a long time ago, Brian. It was uh, 89 years ago. Yeah. I remember it well. It was a dark, sunny Wednesday afternoon, and and mum and dad had just gotten out of jail. Yeah. Uh, they'd been locked up for the weekend. Uh, it was something to do with burning down a church. I'm not really sure. They never. They were quite uh, quiet about that. We never learned much about that over the years. Nah. They were very humble people, Brian. They were, they were. They managed to steal the first car outside of the watch house, and that was indeed a Zephyr, Brian. And uh, they took off, and they uh, drove for many, many miles, and they parked uh, near the sewage treatment plant there out at Chermside Heights. And uh, it's a beautiful view there, very romantic, the smells and the sights and the sounds, the, the animals stuck in the pit of tar, always romantic, Brian. And always
1: romantic, Brian. Always
0: romantic, Brian. And always romantic, Brian. And always romantic, Brian. Always romantic,
1: Brian. Uh, welcome back, uh, listeners. Uh, we've had a glitch. Barry's bloody hit the wrong button again, the blighter. Um, sorry about the inconvenience for the last hour of missing out on the Siamese herring experiment. Now, Brian. As we were talking before, uh, you know, before we were so rudely interrupted by Barry and his uh, mischievous ways, the um, forefront of my mind is, uh, as we've spoken before, about is about your uh, collection of books, as in one, the ones you've written. You, you love doing it by longhand. I know you hate computers like the, most of the rest of the population of the world. Now, you've got a, a record um, the amount of biros you've gone through um, in the last 75 years, Bron. Would you like to let the listeners know about that record?
0: Well, I know that a lot of sports men and women out there uh, love their sponsorships, mm. and they can be worth millions and millions of dollars uh, yes. to the average person these days. Mm. I've got a sponsorship that's worth $87 million a month, and uh, yes. uh, I get taxed. Very, very heavily on that, Brian. Yes. Um, so I only end up with fifty-seven dollars a month out of the sponsorship, but it does give me an unlimited supply of biros. Now the Bick Company has been very good to me over the years. My dad uh, actually helped set up the company. Uh, Johnny Bick was, uh, of course, struggling uh, graphite manufacturer, and Dad told him that graphite was going out, too many children being killed Mm. in the uh, graphite mines, and that he should really join the new world order Mm. and find another solution. Mm. So after uh, spending many, many decades using all sorts of fluids, uh, he finally came up with the the ink that we have in the Mm. biro today, and uh, he didn't patent it unfortunately, and uh, he could have had the chance to be the only biro manufacturer in the world. But Johnny yeah. Bick, being insane uh, and only having one arm, he really couldn't fill out the paperwork, which was surprising because he had an unlimited uh, number of pens and pencils. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit weird, but uh, that's old Johnny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so he invented the Bick. Byro, yep. uh, very astute, naming it after himself. He's become a legend in his own uh, time. Yep. Uh, Martin <laughs> uh, might be trying to do a biopic on Johnny Bick, yes. uh, which will yeah. be great to see as uh, an unsung hero uh, in his day. Yes. But thanks to Dad, I've been uh, living, sleeping, breathing, and eating biros all my life, and this is how I've come to be one of the greatest book writers on the planet. That's right, Brian. Now, a lot of my books are just nonsense. I will uh, quite often get up in the middle of the night and start writing. Uh, I hear voices, and I just write down things that uh, come to me in my mind. So most of the time, I can finish a book in an hour or two, and I don't even know what I've written. I wake up in the morning and there's another manuscript on the uh, sideboard, which is very handy. Yes. As you know, I don't really like to think these days. Um, I've used a, a, a far too many brain cells in my lifetime, and, and I just like to uh, give them a bit of a rest these days. That's right, Brian. So I can stand on my work, uh, and uh, my collection of biros is going to the Smithsonian Institute, and I think at the last count there was 52 trillion biros plus a few extras.
1: That's an amazing stat, Brian. Yes. I thought there was a, a few more than that because I know you've got a, yes a shed just full of biros on your property. Um, it's called a BIC shed, and um, I, I always like going in there and rolling around on, on some of your old biros. I know that some of your DNA's on it, yes. and it really gets into my skin, and it's really good uh, for around the anal area, that, um, yes. that DNA brawn, I believe. Uh, it fixes piles. Uh, I've been, I'm oh, sorry, hemorrhoids uh, in the old language uh, and also that uh, flabby, flabby bit of date area I've got um, uh, that, uh, that, that that gets fixed. Now, Brian, you talked about the biopic that Martin Scorsese is going to make and uh, I believe Johnny Depp is uh, in line to play uh, Johnny Bick. Now, I, I, I believe that, yes. you know, a pirate... Uh, Johnny Bick the Pirate would be uh, yes. uh, lamentable. I, I presume that really uh, we'd want somebody a bit shorter uh, and maybe a bit sillier like Tom Cruise to play it. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of films coming up. Uh, I know he's going to play Ronald Reagan, the, the dead Ronald Reagan, of course. Uh, he'll, he'll be the star. and um, Yes. And I think uh, Minnie Driver is going to be uh, Nancy Reagan. Yes. Um, probably a bit tall for Nancy because she was a bit of a dwarf but uh, I reckon that pairing is what you'd call a um a marriage made in heaven absolutely there'll be great sex scenes with the dead Ronald Reagan and Minnie Driver um cavorting in the back of the, uh, the big limousine, the beast uh, that the president would always drive around in. Uh, I could see Johnny Depp being the driver of that car. He loves his cars. He loves uh, motorcycling. And he might to be in the nude when he drives, which I think would add a bit of character to the movie. Now, Brian, we're getting off track here again. Um, but getting back to your um, collection of books, um, the uh, New York bestseller list always has your name on it. Uh, now, Cooking is something that people always say to me about. Yes. Is Brian the best cook in the world? And I go, fucking oath, he is. There's no doubt about it. You know, there's no, yeah. nobody's going to take that away from me. I know my food, uh, oh, and I've yes. rolled in enough of your stuff to know that it's bloody brilliant. Now, Brian, the the cookbook that everybody always talks to me about is the uh, seawater and kerosene recipes. Yes. Uh, now, I believe that, um, you know, you are the best person I've ever seen cook with seawater. Um, salt is the um, mainstay in all your dietary needs, and I know you've been um, – I know you've met uh, sorry, you've visited all the salt mines in the world. Uh, I know you've got um, calcium uh, building up in most of your organs. Now, that's to be admired. Now, can you take us down this uh, magnificent road of culinary success you've had with seawater and kerosene cooking? Of course I can, Brian. The great thing of thinking out of the box is that
0: you've got an endless supply of things at your fingertips, Mm. Uh, ordinary ingredients that most people overlook. They think this can't work, uh, and so they don't even bother trying. Well, this Mm. is the adventurous spirit that most people miss out on in life uh, and go on to become mass shooters. No, we don't want any of that. We just want people to get Mm. down to some serious cooking. And the beauty about cooking with seawater and kerosene is that the salt in the seawater actually neutralizes the carcinogens in the kerosene. And the kerosene actually uh, reduces the uh, cancerous qualities of the salt in the seawater. So together, it makes a wonderful, wonderful uh, basis for all, all, all sorts of curries and roasts and soups and yes. potato bakes yes. and pizzas yes, and uh, any
1: number of things that will give you malnutrition, Brian. Yes. Now, Brian, I think you've been very humble, as usual. Um, you've uh, talked um, at length to chefs throughout the world. You've opened so many Michelin restaurants uh, throughout the world, and you've got your own Michelin star books. Uh, you know, the reality, Brian, is is that you know, your seawater pie is well known throughout the Northern Hemisphere as being the most indulgent pie ever. Uh, gold leaf, of course. Uh, there's a little bit of strontium 9 in it. Yes. And I think that's the garnish that people are looking for these days. I think yes. the elementary table, uh, you've tapped into many times. And I think people are starting to really get the idea now that if you mix seawater with some sort of uh Lithium, yes. I know you're really into your lithium these days, oh, yes. uh, I, don't know, I'm, I know I'm letting out the bag of the cat, you've got uh, this uh, finesse and this, um, this forthrighteousness to uh, use things that other people would just shy away from, because you're not shy Brian, you've never been no. shy, oh, no. uh, you're, you're the most outgoing uh, older gentleman than I know. Uh, especially when it comes to like you uh, having um, intimacy with young people. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, uh, careful, Brian. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm, 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 I'm getting off the track. Uh, it's perfectly fine, Brian. I just, I, I'm such admiration for you, the way you've gone about your life. Uh, but that's another book that I'm sure will come out. Now, Brian, the other thing that I know that people, when they talk to me about your cooking skills, is that um, you just. Uh, Gone off heat altogether, as you're not on a heat, you've never been on a heat as such, but you've gone off using heat to cook. Yes. Um, That you're using uh, chemicals now to cook cook the food. Now, if you don't mind, uh, would you mind just um, passing on uh, your your idea of cooking with chemicals? Well, it's, uh, it's in line with the uh, climate
0: emergency. Mm. Now, uh, as we know, the heat is the main ingredient in cooking these days, mm. uh, and it's just adding to the rising temperatures around the world. Yes. So I've been at the forefront mm. of finding other methods of cooking, and quite rightly, there's a number of chemicals yes. that you can combine, uh, and the chemical reaction provides enough heat to cook the food, Mm. and it gives it a wonderful, wonderful flavour. As you say, lithium, uh, it does a great job in the electric car industry, but in cooking, Mm. it comes into its own. It uh, adds a flavour that's a mix between battery acid and coking coal, and it's a wonderful, wonderful taste. And uh, as you rightly say, strontium-9, yes. it's a beautiful garnish. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it it gives this glowing effect for days after you've eaten something. Yes. And the taste stays on with you forever. Yes, it does. There's a number of people yeah. I, that I visit in the hospitals around the world that just love my cooking, and um,
1: they pay me the price for it. They do, Brian. Um, uh, look, I know the other secret that you have uh, when cooking now is you tend to use a lot of gunpowder. Now, yes. I know you've got a bit of a Chinese influence on you. I know you, um, you've you got uh, relatives that, that, that invented gunpowder back in the day, in the, um, yes. the old da- days before, uh, and some of those other um, Asian chappies. Now, uh, I like the nuttiness that gunpowder gives to like uh, salads yes. or a, a, a pumpkin. Uh, any yes. pumpkin that's been roasted with gunpowder. Always has that fleshy feel about it, sort of like, um, you know, what cannibals would be looking for, I believe. I know you've had a few cannibals ring you and say, oh, Brian, I'm having trouble cooking up a, uh, a French guy that I found in the street. And uh, what do you suggest? And you say, gunpowder. Yep. Go for your gunpowder. Always go for gunpowder. Always. And always use a bit of diesel engine oil. Yeah. Now, that to me <laughs> sums you up in a nutshell. Uh, you always have the right answer. Yes. You have the right... Um, attitude to cooking. Yes. And people recognise you as being the doyen, the absolute doyen of using uh, whatever's around that isn't going to heat up the planet. Yes. You were such an environmentalist. Yes. Uh, yes. I know that people say he's mental. Well, I say, no, he's not. He's environmental. Yes. There's nothing wrong with being environmental. No. Well, it's bloody important. It is these days. And people just have to stop thinking of just because you've know you you've got attitudes to things that you know, maybe don't add up. You your sexual attitudes. Yes. Your 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 love of wildebeest. Yes.
0: <laughs> Never mind, Brian. I've gone off track. <laughs> Just a touch. <laughs> we we're sort we of cooking, you now character assassinating you. Well, that's perfectly understandable. That's That's... <laughs> Completely understandable, Brian. It happens all the time when we get talking about cooking. Uh, I know you get very, very uh, uh, aroused whenever cooking is mentioned. You're a gastronomic fiend, Brian. Yeah. I know you eat your own body weight in lard every morning before you get out of bed. Uh, and it's a great start to the day. It's uh, really paid off for you in the long run, Brian. It has, Brian. So I don't think there's any need to stop No, uh, that and uh, cooking lard. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah,
1: whatever. It is. Brian, the uh, the interesting concept uh, that you've always had uh, when it comes to writing books is that um, you always start at the end and you proceed yes. to the beginning. Now, this is a uh, – I've been taken up now by Kenny Sheldon, that magnificent prose artist and uh, well-known alcoholic yes now Kenny Sheldon uh, has followed you in your footsteps uh with cooking he's right on your coattails and he's gone to the old starting at the end finishing in the beginning now when you do that for yourself Brian do you believe that um this is just an an abomination or do you believe this is the only way to go because if you know where you're going to be at the end you can know how to start it now, this is a trick. I'll, I'll let the cat
0: out of the bag because I, we're so old yes. now that I don't think uh, it, it matters too much. Uh, but I stole that idea off Mary Shelley. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly how she wrote Frankenstein. Uh, she started at the end. Mm. Uh, she just wanted to burn things down. Yes. She always loved a good yes. fire, Mary Yes. Uh, she used to smoke and bed, she used to set fire to things all the time, set fire to the cats, yes. set fire to the maids, yes. uh, set fire to the fish pond. Uh, And she had this wild idea of a, a, a great village fire. Yeah. Lots of folks with pitchforks yeah. and burning torches and burning marmosets. Uh, and, and, and she yeah. just needed a protagonist to uh, set fire to. Mm. uh and uh she read it to a few people uh this 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 ending to this horror story yes. and uh, they were just fascinated, yes. absolutely fascinated by the idea, and they said, well well well, well where are you going from here yeah. and she said, well I, I don't think I can go anywhere from here um because everyone had died. Yeah. Uh, so she started off at the end and worked through the middle yeah. to the uh, to the
1: uh, the end of the yeah. beginning and worked to yeah. the uh, to the, uh, the 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 other thing. Brian. Yes, that's right. I know um, what a lot of people say. Where is your inspiration? Um, I know that. Um you had a long love affair with Enid Blyton. Yes. Now, Enid Blyton wrote a lot of uh, children's books, which you abhor. You hate children's books because you think it's a work of the devil. Yes. But your sexual interest with uh, Enid Blyton lasted for 20 years. Yes. Now, Enid, I remember meeting her back in the 1940s, I think it was, and she said to me, Brian's got the right to attitude when it comes to being, being a writer. Um, he's an author at heart. She used to use slate in the day, Brian, yes. as you remember. She used to use chalk and yes. slate, and she used yes. to use ammonium nitrate to clean it down. Yes. Now, she was um, – well, she was a well-known prostitute, and um, yes. she was a drug taker. Yes. At the time, she was on um, all sorts of gear, but most of it was cocaine. Yes. Um, but anyway, I digress again. Sorry. Uh, but I- I'm hoping that, you know, in your – um, you'll de- de- dun- 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 uh autobiography, that Enid gets at least one chapter uh, because um, I know you used to give her a lot of food for thought, like the Magnificent Seven or the Seven Kitties, uh, that one pedophile ring one that she wrote. I think the Pope was in that one. Uh, You you gave her a lot of insight into um, the Catholic Church. I I know she was really interested in what you had to say there, Brother.
0: She was always a willing student, uh, old Enid, and it it was amazing that her uh, career in children's books took off. She wrote uh, quite a, a lot of other genres. Her murder mysteries were fascinating. Yes. Uh, quite mad, bit off the hook. They never made any sense. No. But uh, I convinced her to stick to the uh, children's books, and uh, she, she begrudgingly yeah. uh, took up the challenge. Yeah. And between elephant shooting and uh, robbing banks, she would put chalk to slate and knock up a children's book. Funnily enough, it took off, and uh, she had her greatest uh, writing career when she was in the asylum, Brian, and uh, I found most of my inspiration uh, taking a leaf out of her book, as it were, and writing when I'm uh, put away now and again,
1: Brian. Yeah, that's right, Brian, and I know you like your solitude, and I think the solitude gives you uh, a bit of motivation and focus. Uh, You've always said to me, put me in a padded room, and I'll just write up a storm. Yes. now the reality is brian you, you've got to take credit for this you you were you were the instigator of the famous five uh which uh, enid blighton uh, had best-selling uh books now you you obviously wanted the famous five to be uh different ethnic uh, persuasions you yes. you wanted the black boy you wanted a mm-hmm. chinese girl yes. you wanted the lithuanian little kid that uh, had no legs Yes. Uh, you're a, you're ahead of your time, Brian. Because these sort of books coming out now, uh, gender neutral, yes. um, all types of interspecies. Uh, what people want to read, and kids uh, these days love zombies. Uh, you wanted a zombie in the yes. famous five, yes. and Enid said, "Look, um, my love, my beautiful man, you've gone too far with the zombies. Um, we'll put a vampire in." Yes. and you've gone okay. That's that's a that's a pretty good uh, pretty good uh, compromise. Enid wanted to have the Fabulous
0: 87. And I thought that's just going to be too much to read, Enid. I don't think the, uh, the, the reading audience uh, has that much patience. So she whittled it down. Uh, she wrote a number of books about the Fabulous uh, 27. Uh, that didn't really take off. She did the Fabulous 18. The publishers just were really ready to drop her then. Uh, she went down to the Fabulous 7. Uh, didn't have the ring about it. And finally, finally, after many, many years, many slates, much chalk, she came up and settled with the famous five. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the uh, start of her uh, her ascension into the writing annals of history. That's right.
1: Now, Brian, I know you, uh, you were um, literally on her back many times um, saying that she should be writing books about masturbation. Now, I... Uh, I know you brought a volume or two out about that yourself because she wouldn't do it. Um, she, uh, she couldn't spell masturbation, and that's why she didn't use it, no. But, uh, yeah, she'll always rank in uh, probably the top uh, 4,000 authors uh, of all time for sure, Brian. Yes. Behind you, of course. Yes. Uh, you'll always be uh, in the top 10. Um, but um, you know the annals of time will uh, will tell that um, you know you had a major influence on uh, the likes of uh, Enid Blyton, yes. Course. Yes. You know you um, have been a shining light uh, in the um, for the arts. The, uh, the, the the 20th Century Screenwriting Guild yes. of America yes. uh, put you uh, on a postage stamp. They did. Now. I, I, I you know I don't know how they got you totally nude onto a postage stamp, but it was magnificent. It was. It was the four cent stamp, which is the most popular stamp in America. Yes. I know a lot of people love licking that stamp, even though it was self adhesive. Now the thing is, Brian, um, it takes us to another chapter of your life as a uh, as a writer, a novelist, a um, a cook, a chef, a well known um, raconteur. Is that uh, your sounds
0: brilliant, Brian? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's enough for today, I think. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, it's been fantastic again talking to you with all the interruptions and uh, the space travel that's been going on uh, this week. Uh, Yeah. it's, uh, It's it's unfortunate that we've had a lot of technical issues. Yes, we have. Uh, not like the old shortwave days. where There was no. never a problem in the shortwave days. No, never. Life was simple. It was. Uh, the upgrade from the tin cans and the string was a bit yeah. hard to uh, to get our head around. Yeah. And now, in this day and age, you've got to put your credit card in the... Uh, Bloody computer, so you can just keep going. Yeah. You'll, you'll need to put a credit card in your neck so you can breathe shortly, Brian.
1: I agree. I've Brian. had enough I of it, be, Brian. I've had enough too, Brian. I yeah. agree. I mean, I'm, I've been furiously writing letters to the Cholera Snail, uh, the, uh, the Australian, the Sydney yes. Morning Herald, uh, the a uh, partner, and Mercury uh, about computers. They've got to put a stop to this computing business. It's just out of hand now. Everything costs money. And yes. it shouldn't, it should be all free. Right. We should all no. give in laptops that, yes. or lap dogs. Is it a lap dog or a laptop, I think it's, Brian? It's aren't it? lap dogs. Lap dogs, yeah. Well, lap dogs should be given free for people when they're born. And then yes. for older people who are over 12, uh, should all have free lap dogs uh, or, or, or a cat. I mean, yes. what? why Why have people gone off cats, Brian? I mean, you know, they're. they're they're the best eating thing that is on four legs. Absolutely, uh, they make a a lovely accompaniment uh, on a cold night, sitting yes. on your lap. And you can stroke it and uh, bite it. Yes. Um, but now cats seem to be on the outer. Yes. I don't know where it's come from, Brian. I'm sick of it. I am too. It's a slippery slope. Uh, it's the thin end
0: of the wedge. It's yeah. the uh, it's the end of life as we know it. Uh, technology's got us hooked. Yes. Line and sinker, yeah. and they're just bleeding us dry,
1: Brian. I agree, Brian. We n- need to move to the Caribbean again, Brian. Yeah, I think it's underwater, Brian. I think it went underwater last week. Oh, yes. uh yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. So that's it in a nutshell. Big fat boomala nutshell, Brian. And um, we'll uh, have another chat uh, next time. We will indeed. Thanks very much, Brian.